We're delving deeper into the world of mining and engineering. From the Coalface with Martin Creamer on AM Live. And of course, it's that time again on a Friday when AM Live presents another update from the Coalface with Martin Creamer, publishing editor of Engineering News and Mining Weekly. Good morning, Martin. Morning, Sakina. Now, Martin, let's start by looking at gold and gold worth hundreds of millions of rands being recovered on the East Rand from those mine throwaways like wood chips and grease. Now, this is incredible. You know, on the road to Daviton, you've got this plant there which is collecting all the throwaways, the mine muck. I'm not talking about the dumps where they get, they recycle the big dumps and they mm. get the gold out of No, this is mine muck. This is wood chip. This is grease. This is bags that they use to carry the concentrate. This is mill liners. And they got 350 million rands worth of gold out of that last year. Uh, 40,000 ounces by just processing what is a throwaway? And this is such an important thing because it helps the environment. It relieves the big mines of having to dispose of this waste. And, of course, some of them are still throwing away their carbon. Uh, uh, that can have a grade of like 500 grams a ton, uh, 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 500 grams a ton of, of gold. So how does this happen? How does gold get into wood chips? Now, it is because of the incredibly wasteful way that we mine. We go underground and the roofs of those mines, the stopes, are supported by wood. This is the, the way the roof is held up by these packs of, of wood. And when we blast that precious ore, we scatter little pieces all over the place and they embed in the wood. <laughs> and so when you take that wood out, it's got gold in it. If you process the wood, you get gold as we're finding. And then... When you process your gold, you put it into your plant, you're using greases because the mill's moving and there's movement in, in the processing procedure. The gold gets into that grease. You take the grease, you get the gold out of it. And as it goes on with bags and with carbon and, and uh, uh, with all sorts of, um, well, it can be a rubber-lined mill and then you get it out of the rubber, you burn that, or it can be uh, a steel-lined uh, uh, mill uh, and a liner, and, and you shot blast that. So there's a whole lot of different routes. So that is where the brains comes in. How do you actually deal with this? But it shows you that, you know, there is money in muck, but there's a lot more money in gold muck. And not only after they've processed their muck, they still keep that. They're not calling it a tailings dam, but they're calling it uh, a stock dam where they keep this, and they've now done a, a study, and they've got international people to do a study on the value of gold still in that muck that they've already processed, and there's like 82,000 ounces there. Wow. So now they're asking the government for, for permission to, to uh, place the final residue. Uh, next door to them, it's a big open pit, and that open pit is problematic. There's been a lot of murders there because some of the illegal miners enter the underground workings next door to them through that open pit. So they have been to Parliament. Parliament's considering allowing them to put now this final residue into this open pit so that at least can be covered up. It'll be a rehabilitation thing and stop this uh, killings with the illegal mining. Fascinating. And then the once mighty Anglo-American mining company, uh, which of course is already a shadow of its former self, Martin, they intend on becoming even smaller, it seems. This is such a sad story, Sakina. You know, here you had this enormous company with 
hundreds of assets. Uh, they were in not only gold and diamonds and every other mineral metal you can think of. They were in everything from Monty to Mazda and paper and insurance. And they were a very big reflection of our economy. Come the 90s, smart aleck brokers come to them and say, you should list in London. Now, always be very careful <laughs> when someone tells you that. And you say, but why must we list in London? We've got a stock exchanger who understands that we have a cyclical nature of this business. They understand our company. They invest in it. No, no, you must go to London because that is one of the biggest accumulations of wealth. You can raise capital. They go to London. Have they ever raised one pound? No. Has London ripped us off of billions of rands? Yes. Do they still complain about it? Yes, they're now down to something like 42 different assets. They say by February it might be 37 assets. And, you know, this is in their 100th anniversary. Next year they turn 100. They were formed in, in, in 1917 with money from South Africa and money from America, hence the Anglo-American tag. You know, what has happened to this asset? It has been destroyed. Have the Australians been so stupid? You know, when uh, we had Gencore, which was another company here, and they linked up with, with BHP uh, to form BHP Billiton, now the biggest mining company in the world, there was also that thing, no, you must list in London. You think the Australians were so stupid? They said, no ways. The primary <laughs> listing stays in Australia. And that's what we should have done because we've got a very good stock exchange here. Why not? That understands that market. Why have a company decimated through corporate short-sightedness and fund managers that want money every second, and they don't put anything in. And when they don't put anything in, what does the company have to do? It has to sell assets. Now, even as we, in the recent times, has gone from 68 assets to 47 assets, they're still targeting by February, when they report next, to go down to 37 assets. Wow. And of course, they're not the only ones to be caught in that snare. But, um, you know, there's also a bit of unhappiness, business and labor. And now talking about combining to counter the Department of Mineral Resources, which, according to them, has turned dictator. I tell you, this uh, DMR, the Department of Mineral Resources, you know, put their dictatorial um, um, uh, resources because they have turned dictator. They used to, I mean, we've had a long tradition of working as a collective, you know, a three-part effort where you had labor, you had business, and you had government, and they came and they arrived at things like mining charters. These guys, <laughs> they've gone out on a limb. They gazetted in April, and then when everybody said, whoa, how can you do this? And I said, no, 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 we're going to discuss. That was a charade. <laughs> they've never discussed. Now they're saying they're going to gazette again at the end of the year with an even harsher situation where they take over some of the role of the treasury they're going to be living they're going to get they want to get billions of rands into their own coffers as part of a, a new agency which they're setting up with no discussion and the story is that you know labor and business have never been closer and the time for them to come together and to actually say to the government hey you can't do this is now with the dmr turning dictator well, that's all we have time for this morning. Martin Kremer, publishing editor of Engineering News and Mining Weekly.